Hey, this is Gary. This is Mike. And Daniel. We're not professionals. We're just three addicts sharing our experiences, strength, and hope regarding recovery. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to other addicts and to practice these principles in our lives. Welcome to another episode of the 12th Step Podcast. My name is Gary. And I'm Mike. And this is Daniel. It's good to have the band back together. Right? Here we are. <laughs> yes. It, it was weird only time. having two microphones. It really last has week. been strange, hasn't it? It has. Summer yes. has a way of moving us around at different times in different places. So yes. It's good to be back. And Daniel has cemented himself as the only one to be on every episode. It's official. <laughs> but where it's all his toys that we used to record it, that's it pretty, makes sense. pretty safe. <laughs> yeah. It makes sense. It's his basketball. <laughs> Well, I need to go on vacation. That would be fun to see you guys sort of figure that one out. I think that would be interesting. Yeah. That would be interesting. Yeah. Now we're going to start coming up with contingency plans. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, so I have something on my mind that I thought might make a good topic of discussion. And I'm going to start our discussion with a quote from Alice in Wonderland. All I right. I love this quote. I, I know you know where I'm going. <laughs> All right, so Alice is in the forest, and she's a little lost. And so she's talking to the Cheshire Cat, and she asks this question. Would you tell me, please, which way I ought to go from here? To which the cat replies, that depends a good deal on where you want to get to. Then I believe she followed that up with something like, well, I really don't know. It says, well, then it really doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is an oft-quoted comment because it's so profound it is profound it is and i've had an experience recently where i was uh working with a number of uh people who were new to the recovery process and a couple of them are really struggling with they don't know what they want yeah and so they find themselves directionless and I find myself, well, I, I don't know what to tell you, you know. I'm sure. It doesn't yeah. really matter which way you go <laughs> if you don't know where you want to get to. So that's kind of what I wanted to talk about. That's kind of what I wanted to talk about. So what do you guys I think? think? It's, I Any... think it's a fantastic topic, and it fits recovery, yeah. uh, the concept of recovery very, very much. Why? Uh, I'll follow this up with another question, mm-hmm. that being why on earth would you ever consider the path of recovery if you don't intend to do the work to get there? Yeah. You have to. I mean, I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people, I mean, come on, you get busted and then you're put into a situation where you feel like you have to. A lot of people yeah. start recovery not for themselves. I, well, I, not only that, you're, you're picking a wrong path too. Yeah. You're going down a path that someone else has picked for you. You're yeah. not going down a path that you've chosen yourself. I guess I suppose I just have yet to see that in my mm. experiencing working with groups. Uh, I don't find anybody that is there because somebody is forcing them to be there. Each one of these individuals that I'm aware of in my own circumstance, even mm-hmm. though I had yet to actually, I, unlike even in your two circumstances, I was not busted. I knew my life had hit this mm-hmm. place and I needed some help. And so I went out to get help as a result of that. Uh, most of the people that I see in, in, uh, in our recovery groups that we work with are people who are sincerely interested in finding some peace, some sobriety, but aren't interested in doing the work to get there. Okay. That's what I see more often than not. Well, uh, I mean, at least for like me, um, I was busted. And I, in that moment, I'm willing to do everything I want. 
to make that right. And I'm sure it's, many of these people are feeling the same way. Like I'm busted. I don't, I need to find a way out of this. And then you have to make a choice of, okay, am I doing this for me? I mean, right. we, we mentioned that quite a bit. Are we doing, is, am, am I doing this for me? Or am I doing this for my wife, my marriage or, or whatever the circumstance, my girlfriend, whatever. Um, but if you don't pick it for you, then that attrition kind of starts creeping back in and we start falling back into old patterns, which is where I feel like, you know, we don't know where we're wanting to go. Sure. You know, cause I know in, in the past for me, it's like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to fix this. My marriage is for my marriage, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm wandering down the wrong path cause I don't know the direction I want this last time. It's like, I'm, I'm just done. I'm doing this for me, whatever. And it's held. And it's because I've gone down the right path. I've knew, known which direction I want to go. So here's another question. Uh, again, from my own experiences, I pay attention to what I see. Is is that most of the people don't know what they don't know. Yeah, yeah, so, that's fair. So they may be introduced to the concept of of recovery mm-hmm. and the fact that they're living in a you know the world of an addiction. Uh, but I think that when they hear the word addiction, I think they're thinking to themselves. There has to be an easier way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to deal with the stuff that's really affecting my addictive behavior. What I really want is a pill. I want a quick fix. Right. Yeah. I want something to make this easy. Never did I contemplate this was a three to five year kind of a recovery period. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I certainly wouldn't have thought of that. And so, uh, in fact, maybe that would change my decision. <laughs> yes. I know how long and how much you know. time and energy it takes to put into recovery and sobriety. But, but that's the point. Yeah. Is, I think most of the people find themselves in the situation of seeking recovery because they want to get better. Mm. I believe that. I believe they come to the table wanting to get better. But what they don't know is what they don't know. Yeah. It's three to five years. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of hard work. It's, you know, it's every day working your recovery. It's making mental changes in the way you live your life, in mental, way, in mental changes in the way you think and the way you operate. And I believe that they honestly did not contemplate that. They didn't contemplate, and I'm speaking only from my own experience, right. I did not contemplate the fact that what was driving this behavior were these things that I was mm-hmm. doing in my own mind. So maybe that's why they don't know what they don't know. Maybe. I, I was thinking a little bit about the, our first question and, and thinking about the people. I've known a lot of people who have found themselves in recovery because they were put in a situation where you need to do something or... Or else. Yeah, or else. Or else, sure. And so that might be what gets them there, but... Huh. Here's another piece of it that that I never contemplated. I went to my first group experience and to my first session with a counselor thinking that I was trying to tackle this issue with sex addiction. Mm Mm-hmm. What I'm finding is is that I, I want to curb that behavior, no doubt, but what I really want to deal with are all the other things in my life that are causing this addiction to manifest. Yeah. That includes addressing my family of origin issues. That includes mm-hmm. addressing my relationships with my children, with my wife. That includes, and I didn't contemplate any of these things, that includes my, my uh, poor relationship with money, and my poor relationship with food, as you can obviously see, I have a, I have a difficult time managing those two relationships pretty comfortably. <laughs> see my point? All those things that mm. I guess I did not contemplate when I walked in the door and said, hey, I, uh, I need some help with a sex addiction. And I really believe that for most people, so when you ask the question of knowing what you want, I think there are a lot of people at the table that we see that are saying, 
I didn't anticipate this. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but well, but I think it's really really important that you mm-hmm. get to the point where you answer that. Yeah. In fact, I have a fun story. I'm listening. So just recently, just recently, we organized we organized a uh, we call it a youth conference. It's uh, where we get a whole bunch of the youth from the church together. We organize all of these activities and and speakers and events and service projects and all this kind of sure. stuff. But for one of the activities that we chose to do, we went to a coping course. Now, you guys know what a coping course is? I don't. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming it has something to do with ropes. Yes. That's why cope, they're, they're kind of playing on the word, yeah. Right. So, yeah, it's a coping course, and there's all these object lessons, but they usually have you do things like, you know, they'll they'll – strap you up and then you get to climb like rock walls or rappel or yeah. zip lines or or they'll they'll have you do things like a balance beam but the balance beam is like 30 feet in the air or something nice. like that so i was watching these kids do that and they had this one exercise where they strapped them in right and they were they were all harnessed and everything mm-hmm. and then they had a line attached to the middle of their back yeah and the the challenge was to climb a telephone pole and then stand on top of the telephone pole and then jump. Just kind okay. of okay. Just, just a mental picture okay. here that doesn't okay. sound safe, but okay. <laughs> yeah. Now they have a line to them, so okay. it will jump out, and the and line will catch, catch up them and, and lower slowly them down. Go down. Now, I thought, but you have to take that leap of faith. You do, and this is this is what it was, and this is what fascinated me about watching this, is that they suspended a tennis ball just out of reach. Okay, and told them the goal was to climb to the top of this thing, stand on the top of it, and then jump out and grab this tennis ball. And I thought, okay, there's a little bit going on here. Mm-hmm. Okay, first of all, it's giving them a focus. Right. All yeah. right. And I was surprised to watch some of these kids mm-hmm. do this seven and eight times trying to get this tennis ball. Yeah. You know, but they didn't stop and think about how scary it was to, you know, climb a, a freestanding 20-foot pole on just these little tiny pegs. Yeah. Or once they got there to uh, manipulate themselves into a situation where they could stand Stand on on top of it and then leap out into nothing to try to get this tennis ball. Not only that, I noticed that the tennis ball was positioned in such a way that they were never going to be able to touch it. <laughs> right? Yeah. And why, I, why is it you can see that so clearly from the ground, but they can't see it 20 feet in the air? Because they're not coming anywhere close to it. And I thought, well, it's because they don't want some kid to hit it and wrap it around right. the line and they have to go up there and fix it. But, but, and then the other thing was, is I thought how clever it makes them all jump off in the same direction. Sure. You know? Yeah. It's a great thought. So So as I thought about that, I thought, you know what? The lesson here is, you know, the goal of this exercise really isn't to touch the tennis ball. That's just a focus. Right. You know, the, the goal is to get them to, to climb this pole and, and overcome all of this stuff to get to the point where they're willing to, yeah. to jump off into it and then realize that they can do a lot more than they thought yeah. they could. Because I guarantee you, I guarantee you that the vast majority of those kids wouldn't even attempt to would not have attempted it, except those few boys that are out of yeah. their minds anyway. Right, right, like right. the one who did it seven or eight, you know, <laughs> seven or eight times. But 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 I found it I found it fascinating that I watched them and they would climb that pole and they would look up and they would focus on that thing. And I was just surprised at how much that they were willing to risk and overcome and challenge themselves when they had a very clear idea of where they wanted to mm-hmm. go. All right. So 
I, what a great recovery concept. Right. Yeah. I think you can see where I'm trying to go sure. with this. Sure. So tell me this. Think mm-hmm. about your own recovery, right. your own circumstance. And I think in the last couple of episodes, you shared your story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it wasn't until all those bad things had happened to you, all those experiences, literally, until the point in time when you had your conversation with a, a counselor in a, in a lockdown facility mm-hmm. where you were able to say, and really it came from a, as I listened to it, the really one of the one of the clear points was when a brother said to you, "It's clear you're willing to do a tremendous amount, uh, you know, to one extreme. To one yeah. extreme. Why don't you consider maybe taking that in the other direction?" And that right. was, that was a, a a a monumental moment for you. Yes, it was. And so, you know, when I when it, in relation to the story that you're experiencing here, I mean, you went a very long period of time without a tennis ball to focus on. You're right. And do you know what, as I was sitting here thinking about this, like I said, this is just a thought that's been going around in my head and, and kind of listening to what you, sure. not knowing what I didn't know. I wonder, I wonder what, you know, because for a while I thought, well, my tennis ball is maybe I want to save my marriage or maybe I want sure. to, you know, fix mm-hmm. relationships with my kids. And I, I don't know when the, the magical moment was. Well, there did come a moment where I says, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. You know, and I think but, each one of us have had that. Yes. Right. But the but the time from when I first got busted, which was in 2011, to the time that all of my crazy really came out in 2013. Sure. All of that stuff, I had the wrong focus. It was yeah. the wrong tennis yeah. ball. I was trying to save my marriage. I was trying to to. It was it was laudable reasons, maybe, but not not what the right it needed tennis to ball. Be. Yeah. But but in in the hospital, it was like I I can't. I can't keep I doing can't this. do this. I have to do it for me. Whatever whatever telephone poles I have to climb up and jump right. off of. I'm willing you to know. do that. Mm-hmm. And and so so it very clearly became, you know, I had this idealized what what do I want to be? What do I want to become? And started working for that cuz I think you need I think you really need a high ideal to shoot for. Sure. Yeah. I think you need a tennis ball, but I don't know what what's your guys' thoughts. I know. I mean, for me, the, my experience has been, and I've had to kind of learn this, is, you know, coming into this, I was always worried, you know, I'll, I'll use the example of a grease fire. You know, it's, it's out of control. It's burning down the house. You know, I'll put it out. I'm okay for a while. But then here comes another fire. Instead of looking at why do, why do these fires keep coming up? You know, is it a, ga- a faulty gas line? Do I have faulty wiring or whatever in the house? Um, and that's really what it's come down to is instead of paying attention to, you know, my acting out behaviors, it's what's underneath. What is really driving this? And by, fo- you know, when I decided, hey, I'm doing this for me, you know, and working with Shane um, and looking at those things underneath, that's where... For me, the magic happened. That's like, oh wow, you know, this this me acting out is me coping with the things that, you know, my abuse that I don't remember, but my body still does, and it's still reacting. Um, you know, my my PTSD and all these other things that, you know, the, I would go about my day and I would be triggered or, um, as Shane calls it, activated, and that would start leading me down a path to I would eventually act out. And these were all kind of subroutines that were running behind the scenes as I'm trying to get through my day. And by focusing on those things underneath, uh, it's been amazing uh, for me. You know, it's kind of that, oh, okay, I got to climb up the, the telephone pole. And now I have my focus. It, it's these things underneath. 
you know, let's work on those. And I can, I can take that leap every time, you know, and then there's the next telephone pole with the next leap I have to make and the next focus. I was just thinking as you were talking about my own experience with my counselor, uh, I was very, very appreciative of the fact that every time that I would come in and see him and sort of lay out the activities of my week that he was never, ever going to say, you need to stop that. Yeah. He would say stuff like, you know, Mike, at some point in time, you're going to want to give that up. Yeah. At some point in time, you're going to want to let go of that behavior. At some point in time, you're going to want to stop doing that. One of the one of the stories he loves to tell is is that <clears throat> I had been working months on end to try and create a relationship with a uh, with a prostitute here in the ta- in the town that he operates his practice, and I had worked hard and hard and hard to try and make that happen, and uh, finally came to the conclusion the only way this was going to happen was the day that I'd actually scheduled an appointment with Shane with, with my counselor to to meet with him and and go over that. So uh, literally. As I was saying goodbye to him, I was communicating with her to say, okay, this is done. I'm, I'm past this. And he found out about that, of course, the next time I came to my session that I had done that. And he still just thinks that's just the funniest story in the whole wide world uh, to share with everybody. He says, yeah. when I write a book, that's going to be right in the book. <laughs> uh, but I, he, he was never one to criticize me about my behaviors or what I was doing or anything like that. Yeah. He said at some point in time, you're going to want to give that up. And he allowed me, he allowed me to arrive at that place where I had finally reached a spot where I said, and I can't live like this anymore. And I think uh, I can still remember the day. It's the day that you had actually contacted me on the phone and, and uh, hey, how are you doing? And I'm like, look, not right now. I don't want to talk to you. And you're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> you don't have the luxury of inviting me into your life and then, you know, casually uninviting me. That yeah. doesn't happen. And that was the day where I decided that uh, for me, I, I couldn't do this anymore. Now, that was several weeks. That was 10-plus weeks into, into the group sessions and into my, into my sessions with the counselor and all of those things mm-hmm. where I finally arrived at a place. And I think there's some magic in that as mm-hmm. well, is letting us, arrive, to, uh, let us, let us, let us uh, arrive at the place where we need to get to in our own mind to say, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. So that was, uh, and up to that point in time, I will tell you that I was a wandering guy. <laughs> A floundering ship. I didn't know what I didn't know, and I didn't know what I wanted. All I knew was is that what I was living was a mess, and it felt as though there needed to be something. Um, I couldn't put my I couldn't put my finger on what it was, but I, I knew that I wanted to be different. I didn't want to be living this lifestyle, but I knew I didn't want to be working the work that they were forcing me to do. Yeah, that that needed to be a part of all of that. Yeah. I knew that. Well, it's not easy work. It definitely not, isn't. Uh, you got to dig deep and sometimes you don't want that stuff to come up. You've worked hard putting it down. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Burying it, locking it in the closet, throwing chains around there. Yeah. Uh, you know, like even today, my session today, you know, um, as I'm doing the EMDR work w- with him, um, there was a point that I had the thought of, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm not coming out. Uh, you know, and, you know, and we're working on the younger parts of me that was, you know, with the abuse. And and I I told him that and he he just looked at me like, all right, let's go with that. And I'm just like, how am I supposed to go with this? Um, Uh But yeah, I mean, it eventually worked out, you know, because as I was talking to Gary before we started, you know, I visually could see being outside the closet, looking towards a closet where the closet just cracked open a little bit. You know, you know, there's someone in there. And then on the opposite side, 
where there's this younger me looking out like, okay, I need to look for danger. I don't dare crack it anymore because anymore I'll be noticed and it's not safe to open this door. Um, but, you know, we uh, after the work, that door opened a little bit more. Um, but it was not easy. It definitely wasn't easy to go sure. through that work. All right, so let me ask this question. All righty. Once you get to that point. Of knowing what you want? Of knowing what you want. How does knowing that help you do the work? Well, I think it's a game changer. Mm-hmm. At that point in time, once you've made the decision that this, I, I can't live like this anymore. Um I think it's a complete game changer because now what it is is it's me saying for myself, I'm going after this with everything I've got. And so, uh, and I think anybody who's blocking the path of recovery uh, knows full well that they can't be doing it for somebody else because it just simply won't be successful. It'll, it'll build too many resentments when you start considering, <coughs> I'm doing this for my spouse, or I'm doing this for my children, yeah. I'm doing mm-hmm. this. That, that, doesn't, it, that doesn't engender enough interest in the work that needs to be done to, to see somebody through to recovery. Uh, and so when somebody arrives at that place where they simply say, I, this is for me, I can't live my life anymore the way I've been living it, and I, this is for me and I'm going after it 100%, suddenly that creates enough interest, enough motivation to say, I will do whatever it takes to not be this way again. And I think every one of us have experienced that to some yeah. extent. Well, I think... <laughs> Making that decision <coughs> creates a commitment where we're, we make a commitment to ourself. Um, and I know several times in my life when I've made that a decision to do something, I'm fully invested at that point and I do everything I can to arrive at that goal. Um, you know, there's been multiple things that I've done that with. Uh, but this one is a, this one definitely is a hard one to make that commitment to, but it seems like once you make that, everything seems to click. And I want to point out, I want to point out that it's pretty obvious if you stop and think about it, that you have it within you to do that. Yes. yes. I mean, it, just take, just take a minute, kind of think of your addiction and the risks you took and the effort you put in and mm-hmm. the resources that you created and spent and all of that kind of stuff to make that happen. Right. Yeah. Because, you know, that was something that you wanted. If you use that same, if you learn to use your powers for good, well, I mean, it's already self-evident that you have it within you to do it. You can do it. Yeah. You know, you've already demonstrated it quite clearly. You just need to focus it. You need a new tennis ball. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Had a very interesting conversation with an individual from one of our groups last night who left in a bit of a huff. Uh Um, Felt like that. You know, left a little bit with his feelers hurt as a result of some of the comments that were made. And, and uh, um, I just thought it was interesting as I related, you know, as I kind of communicated with him that really at the end of the day, what's going on in those group sessions are really to try and break down all the nonsense, all the thinking errors, every all the, mm-hmm. all the BS that we bring to the table. And, and sometimes... Uh, you know, the, the counselor has to, has to be a little brunt, has to be a little uh, blunt on some of the comments that he makes and it, and it hurts. And it's, uh, it's the only way that you can break through sort of the, the, uh, um, the grandiosity, the intellectualization and all the nonsense that goes on and, and, and to kind of cut through all of that. And I made that comment to him that said, look, you know, um, never at any point in time has our counselor ever said anything such that. Uh, that would lead you to believe that he doesn't like you as a person. 
You know, everybody knows the kind of professional that you are and, and how you are, uh, and everybody respects you when, you know, in mm-hmm. the communities that you live and the communities that you work. But when you get to the table of recovery, you need to recognize that the skill sets that you bring from your work environment aren't something that are going to help you here in this particular environment. Yeah. yeah, he's a difficult counselor. He's a difficult counselor in a lot of different ways. Um, but he has something that I want. He has the path to sobriety. And so, you know, until you're willing to s- sort of give up the stuff that you, uh, you come to these rooms with, you know, until you're willing to give up some of that nonsense and let down some of those walls and let, you know, break down some of those barriers and allow what he's trying to say get in, um, you may not find sobriety. And so I really pointed out, again, that, that look... I get all the fact that you're a professional, but but this person right now has got what you want. He's yeah. got the secret sauce to sobriety. He's living it his own life. He understands what it's what what's it like to be an addict, and he also knows what it takes to get to find sobriety. And and if that's what you're paying for, if that's what you're coming to the table for, listen up. You know, again, I come back to the fact that you may not necessarily know what you don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I mean for me, I'm. It's almost been a year since this moment, but I am grateful uh, for that moment. But yeah, I was called out on my crap. I'm sitting there in, sure. that, in that chair again, next to the whiteboard, and you know, everyone's. It was a rough night. It was, it a, was, rough rough night. night. It was a difficult night, but it had that night not happened, I wouldn't be here where I'm at. Sure. Um, and you know, Shane has not lightened up at all. Um, but that's okay. Well, it's because you just bring so much nonsense. To oh, the table, I know. I guess. Yeah, <laughs> no, it, but it's what I needed. Right. I needed that. Right. He, I needed someone to break through uh, the barriers, the walls that I put in place through, you know, my thinking errors and my negative beliefs and all that. And, um, you know, I could have walked. I could have walked away that night and just blamed the world and everything else. But, no. you know, it, it something clicked and something got through and I showed up the next week and then I'm like okay I'm still gonna do this it sucks but I'm still gonna be here and I showed up the next week and the next week and now I I enjoy going it's great and you know things just kept falling into place and uh you know we're we're doing this podcast now and I'm admitting this in front of everything I'm actually grateful that he he called me out uh I'm even grateful that you called me out because you were there that (laughs) night too uh you know he's like I don't think Daniel wants to be here I think he's already made the choice to he's gonna walk out and he's not coming back and I'm just like you jerk um but yeah no I needed it was quite a night wasn't it yeah it was man I was in a passive aggressive not good place so but I'm grateful for that because I'm in a much better place now almost a year later yeah, I think that's uh, that's relevant. That's really important stuff. Yeah. Start thinking about, uh, you know, what brings a, pl- a person to a place where they say, "I got to go talk to somebody," mm-hmm. and uh, uh, what do I really want out of that conversation? Well, I want I want what he has. Yeah, He's the path to sobriety. He's the path to find peace and happiness. And I maybe maybe that's the other piece is is that you know you're you're talking about the focus of this of this youth group and focusing on that tennis ball. Maybe that's just it, is we simply don't know what it is we, you know, we just don't know what the other side's going to look like. Am I interested in giving up what I've got right here, as bad as it is? Am I interested in giving that up? At least it's the it's the demon I know versus the demon I don't know. And so um, 
it's nice to be sitting in those rooms to, to at least say, well, well, I can promise you, and I appreciated your comment even last night, you know, the other side, when you finally come out the other side, what you'll find on the other side is so much better than you can possibly even imagine. Yeah. And I think that's, uh, people need to hear that. Yeah. Well, as a, I'm just kind of sitting here reflecting uh, on your, your example, you know, you being the guy on the ground, you're seeing these kids doing the same thing over and over. And that's almost kind of like our addictive pattern. You know, we, we want to escape. That's the tennis ball, and they're just going at it. They just keep repeating the same thing and not getting the result of getting that tennis ball. And you're sitting there like, huh, that's just out of reach. They're never going to get it. It's in this awkward position where they're never going to be able to touch it. But yet they're still doing the same pattern over and over. I hadn't thought of it that way. (laughs) Uh, Well, that just came to mind as I'm thinking about this. It's like, you know, know, where we kind of have this different perspective, we can look at that and say, that's not going to happen, but I'm not going to do that. But they keep doing it. What's great is you didn't bother to share with any one of the kids as they shimmied <laughs> up the pole seven times. Hey, guess what? If you look at it from down here, you're, you're never going to get it. <laughs> I mean, you just let them do it I mean, 20 times over. This example has, you know, it works great from both perspectives, which is yeah. amazing. Um, because, you know, they're, they're, they're overcoming fear, making for their friend. They're still jumping for the ball. Um, trying to make it work and you know because i don't know if i could shimmy up a 20 foot pole and jump off it and maybe when i was younger before i fell out of a tree being stupid for my kids uh since then heights just bug me but i'm gonna go a different direction with this now all right partly because partly because we've talked an awful lot about knowing what you want when you first start on the path of recovery but we're all in various stages of recovery yes various stages of of clean time and where we're at in our own path things like that the question i have is is that what do you want now do you know what that's that's interesting because at some point i decided i picked i picked the very very highest ideal that i could conceive of all right okay and then i had to this is that's that's my that's my aim now I probably won't ever actually achieve that in in my lifetime. Sure. But I know a lot of little things that I need to do to get to that. Okay. And so, you know, so those are those are my rungs, you know, or or my leaps or however you want to to view that. So I had this like this overarching goal that you know this is the kind of person that I want to become. Okay. So even as I progress and the things that I have to do to get there might change. This this high ideal is still pretty consistent. Now, as I've learned a little bit about myself, I've refined it. Okay. You know, but I still want to be the best me that I can be. And I think that something that recovery has is, is given me is that um, that's a good deal more than I thought it was at one time. Right. Yeah. Right. I actually... Uh... I don't think I have this one just overall arching, arching uh-huh. thing that simply says, I just want to be really, I just want to really be cool or whatever. You know what I'm saying? It's not just that one thing. Really be cool. Yeah. I just want to be That's cool. What, I want to be really cool. <laughs> I, want a, I want a variety of different things. I have discovered that my life for 56 years has uh-huh. been uh, unmanageable and out of control, and I was powerless over my addiction and all of those things. And now suddenly I'm finding... I'm finding a whole new life on the other side of some of those things. Right. Where I don't have to be 
plagued by that. And so I have I have things that I want to accomplish in my own practice, mm-hmm. in my own job, and what I want to deal with in that particular side of things. And I'm really excited about opportunities there. Uh, I'm really excited about I'm focusing on my relationship with my wife and with my kids, and finding. And I, I will tell you that this is a, this you know this is not something that's going to happen tomorrow. I realize right. that I've got some challenges with my children in terms of those relationships, but I, I'm. I would love to be just a good friend of theirs, to just mm-hmm. enjoy each other's company and, and enjoy being with each other and spending time with my grandkids. I'm really looking forward to that. <clears throat> um, uh, but but there's a couple of things, even in my own religious life. Um, you know, I've spent my entire life um, trying to figure out why it is that God doesn't communicate with me. Mm-hmm. You know, you read enough, read enough scripture or things that we talk about, and and and, and I'm trying to reevaluate that relationship entirely to understand, you know, what happened in the years before and what's happened, what's brought me to this spot. I don't live in a world where, you know, I think God's up there throwing lightning bolts at me because I've been 56 years in addiction or anything like that. I don't believe that to be the case. I think He brought me to this place, and but what I am finding now is is that. There's a whole opportunity of developing a relationship with him uh-huh. that I didn't know existed. And so I'm looking forward to that. There is nothing more empowering for the human spirit than to getting an answer to a prayer. There right. just simply isn't. Yeah. That's the most powerful thing in the whole wide universe in my mind. And I am I'm anxiously looking forward to developing a relationship with him such that 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 kind of communication is a regular thing. Uh-huh. Not just an occasional thing, but a regular thing. And I'm amazed at how, and these, these are all things that my recovery in my mind are opening the doors for that didn't exist in the past. Right. And so I'm just I'm just sort of running in a lot of different directions with a lot of different things. Well, you know, I found, and I think maybe you and I are looking at the same thing from a little bit different Could be. kind of a perspective. Because I think, you know, if I can be the very best version of me. Right. All those know, things will be in place. Everything, yeah. will, all those things will be in place. But something that I've really... And I don't know how to explain this, and maybe you guys, maybe you guys would be able to relate to it. It wasn't until I really got into recovery that the process of going for that, that I've been comfortable in that process. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's a good deal of, do you know what? I did this and this today, and I feel good about that, and I can be at peace. I yes. can have some serenity about that, and I can enjoy this day. Right. Right. There's no shame or, or self-loathing for falling short of those things. And that's something that I, I didn't experience before right. Yeah, as much as I would try to, to be good, yeah. so yeah. to speak. And I would fail, you know, it, it was very, uh, it was a painful kind of destructive kind of a thing. But now it's like, I'm, I'm working toward these and, and that's good. And I, and I'm enjoying the process. Right. Yeah. I had a realization the other day that I thought was just absolutely fantastic. Uh, I have discovered for myself that when I start having thoughts about sex, uh-huh. that it's coming from two places. One, I either think that I deserve it, or two, think that I need it. Uh-huh. Right? And that need is this, it's not a, a physical need, it's a need of... It's it's somehow I've attached this ideal to the to to the sexual act as being, it lets me know that I'm okay in my relationship with hmm. my wife, yeah. or I'm okay in my life, or I'm yeah. I'm really okay. It's a place of, 
it's a place of insufficiency. It's a place of not being enough. Insecurity, Insecurity. pretty much, yeah. That's not what sex is about. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. And so what it really is, is this, it's this reminder over and over again that when I have a thought about sex, that it's really coming from two places that are completely unhealthy. That's, that yeah. is a brain that is just completely just messed up. Yeah. And that's what this addiction has done for me. And, and that is the first time in my entire life that I've ever had that realization. So now, when I sit here thinking to myself, I want sex. And then I, then I start evaluating, well, why do I want sex? Mm. Oh, my word, Mike. You're feeling, you're feeling like, oh, wow, you poor thing. You know, you're not, you know, you're insufficient. You're not, you're not good enough. You're not whatever. Well, can't we just talk about that? Can't someone just come put their arm around me and say, Mike, it's really okay. You're going to be just fine. And, I, and then the whole need of it will go away. Do you know what yeah. I'm saying? Sure. Yeah. It's a distorted brain. It is. Yeah. But and, I, and recovery has provided that to me. Uh-huh. I never I was, in my wildest dreams would have ever suspected well, that. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like that's kind of where it's come from. You know, exactly. the, this place of we don't feel sufficient or we're insecure about ourselves or, or vice versa. I mean, for me, I, I definitely want to be the best version of me. Uh, the best dad, uh, hopefully, you know, eventually be once again in a healthy, loving relationship. Um, but at the same time, I have goals and aspirations that I want to achieve and make those. But, you know, this addiction has prevented me from reaching those goals because I'm wasting a lot of time on that addiction that I could be, wait, you know, putting those endeavors into that energy into those endeavors. Um as well, you know, I like to travel. There's places I'd like to go and see, which I've never been able to do because, you know, I've been so preoccupied with these other things. And, you know, let alone a previous relationship that wasn't healthy enough because of my own actions and that, that we were never in a good enough place to go, say, to Hawaii or, you know, travel to Europe or whatever. So, um, interesting. Yeah, eventually I'd like to, to do that, you know. And it, the ultimate goal, kind of like, you know, what Gary said is, the better I am, the rest of the other things will just—I yeah. know—will fall into place. I'm experiencing that. I'm experiencing that like I've never experienced yeah. before, and it's so exciting that I'm just—I'm—it's like I'm running in a million different directions. Like, wow, this is so cool. <laughs> well, so I'm finding some peace in that. I hate to cut this short. What? But we're out of time. Isn't it so much easier when the band is together to fill time? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, when Gary's telling the only story, <laughs> it's kind of hard. <laughs> With last time, but yes. Uh, well, there you go. All right. Well, I guess that'll do it for another episode of yes. the 12th Step Podcast. Until next time, this is Gary telling you to do the next right thing. And this is Mike saying, do the work necessary to find the peace that recovery can bring. And this is Daniel saying, find the humility in your recovery. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We would love to hear from you. If you have any questions, thoughts, or concerns, or have any suggestions for future episodes, please contact us at 12thsteppodcast at gmail.com. That is 1-2-T-H-STEPPODCAST at gmail.com. As a fellowship of recovering addicts, Sex Addicts Anonymous offers a message of hope to anyone who suffers from sex addiction. Check out saa-recovery.org.